Greetings, and welcome to Montessori in Action, a podcast for Montessori educators to remind you that you are not alone. I'm your host, Elizabeth Slade, and let's spend some time listening to what is in the hearts and on the minds of other Montessorians. As times change, the preparation of Montessori educators must also. In this conversation, primary trainer Uma Ramani shares ways in which she has shifted both the course and content to address the needs of the adult learner and in pursuit of reaching all learners. Uma was born and educated in India and completed her AMI 3-6 to training there. She also holds her AMI 6-12 to diploma and has been an AMI trainer at the 3-6 to level since 2010. She has been living in the United States since 1997 and has worked at private and public schools as a guide, a coach, and mentor. She has been a director of training for three to six at the Montessori Institute of North Texas, Mint, in Dallas, Texas, since 2014. Uma continues to work in India and recently in South Africa, preparing adults for the SF community-rooted education under the umbrella of AMI Educator Sans Frontiers. Welcome, Uma Ramani, to Montessori in Action podcast. So pleased you're here today. Elizabeth, I'm so happy to be here with you and to chat with you again. Mm. Well, I was hoping that you'd open by sharing with the listeners um, your Montessori journey, how it started. And I was really excited to read. You're not the first guest on the podcast to mention Discovery of the Child as your point of entry. Will you start there and go wherever you want? Yeah, you know, so my father, I grew up with books around me. My father was a voracious reader. We used to keep going to the library all the time uh, with him, you know, and browsing the shelves. And so he was going through this time when he had all these books on um, education, right? Like Ivan Illich uh, saying that the de-schooling society and Krishnamurti and Montessori's discovery of the child came home when I was around 14. And I saw that book and it, it was, it's an old edition with the beautiful photographs. And I, for my 14 year old mind, watched some of the things she said in those early chapters and her uh, very activist uh, affirmation of, mm. uh, you know, that the child's, of the child's right to the uh, different kind of education really spoke to my, you know, adolescent mind. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, so I determined then and there that that's what I was going to do with my life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. I, I didn't know that story. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and then what amazing. happened after that? So then, of course, you know, I I graduated school early. So then my father, when his wisdom said, yes, you can do this. But look, you need to be 18 before you can do this course. So it's good to get your, you have some time. Why don't you get your undergraduate degree? So so he <laughs> persuaded me to get my undergraduate degree. Because in India at that time, you really didn't need to have a uh, undergraduate degree to do the Montessori uh, diploma course. So mm-hmm. then, of course, I got my undergr- undergraduate degree and I was 19 when I started my training. Mm. And I was um, very fortunate that I had as my trainers two people who had uh, lived and worked with Dr. Montessori. Mr. Abs Houston, who practically grew up in the Montessori household, and Mr. Swami, who trained with Montessori in Kodai Canal. 
and then carried on the work in India along with Mr. Houston. So they brought such an um, emphasis on the social mission and mm. uh, the, Montessori, the Montessori method as a tool for uh, meeting the needs of the child. That that's that's what has informed my practice throughout. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Those those deep seeds um, mm-hmm. in that initial time, and you were still in your fourth plane of development. So absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, what- and luckily, you know, right after my graduation, I did this thing. I was only twenty, so. They said, why don't you help with the course? So I actually got to do the course twice over, which really I think was very, very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Repetition. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> right. So what prompted you to decide to become a Montessori trainer? When I left India, I had kind of made a promise to Mrs. Swami that in some way I was, the work in India needed to be carried on and I would do it, you know, so... It's required that I do get into that training of trainers program. And Mm -hmm. as I continue to work, I realized that if I wanted to meet more the needs of more children, if I wanted to help serve more children, then the the crucial aspect of that, the necessity for that is the prepared adult. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so a way that I could reach more children is to support the preparation of the adults. And so that's what uh, prompted me to take on this journey to become a trainer. And also, what you know, this was a question that was asked at my interview to become a trainer. So why do you want to become a trainer? Mm-hmm. And what I said was, you know, I would like to take this training to the grassroots level, mm-hmm. to the early childhood workers at the grassroots level. Well, and that brings us to one of the central parts of the conversation is just the curiosity around how your approach over these years, two Montessori training has adapted or changed with the times we live in. I was uh, working with the public schools at Hartford, mm-hmm. which further deepened my understanding of this work and what is needed for the practitioners on the ground. I had a lot of opportunities to travel to different places, including different countries, offering assistance courses. So I did that in India. I did that uh, several times with the paraprofessionals in Hartford. And so when I started training in 2014, um, I was thinking about, you know, who is it that I'm training? It was a summer course. And I kept that first training pretty much in the usual format of the summer courses, which is that you would do for the three to six, we would do the practical life and sensorial in the first semester, and then we would do the language and math in the second semester. But it didn't sort of sit right with me because uh, the, most of the people uh, coming to the course were in, already in classrooms. Mm-hmm. So after the first mm-hmm. summer, they needed to know more before mm-hmm. they could uh, go, if they were going to serve the children they were working with. So when I came to the second uh, course that I uh, started in 2017, again a summer course, I changed the course structure completely. Mm-hmm. So I said mm-hmm. that we need to make sure that when they leave at the end of first summer, they have everything that they need in traditionally uh, expected of up to the uh, six-year-old, like mm-hmm. in public schools, the kindergartners, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
because a lot of the school uh, teachers were also from public schools, which which tend to open Montessori programs and then recruit teachers and mm-hmm. uh, try to get them trained, right? Uh, so I said that, okay, we are going to do all of, of course, the exercise of practical life is critical, and we would do the uh, language all the way through early reading. Mm. And then we started the uh, math all the way. We would go through the, the you know, uh, through the decimal system. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you look at most uh, expectations of children at kindergarten, uh, all that is covered if we cover these uh, uh, sections of the three to six curriculum. Uh, but this was back in 2017-18. And also right from 2014, I said, even though it's a summer course, we are not going to do an interim seminar. What we are going to do is monthly webinars. Because of my work as a coach in, uh, in the public schools and because of the consultation work, I was noticing this, uh, you know, some, there is the disconnect between the training and the transition to practice. So mm-hmm. I began to feel that something more needs to be done to support this transition to practice. We need to offer other formats beyond the summer and the modular course and the academic year course. We need to offer this training in another format, and we suggested a blended format of training. And we also suggested um, a course that would be um, offer the core principles of Montessori, you know, to everybody who was working uh, with children. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. uh, this became called uh, known as the Montessori Core Principles Course. And right from the beginning, as I worked on the core principles course, I realized that this is the foundation that need, that mm-hmm. everybody needs mm-hmm. to have, and that mm-hmm. all the trainings that we do, um, uh, that I do, starts with the Montessori core principles mm-hmm. course. So the, the, mm-hmm. all, that's a prerequisite. They do get a separate certificate for that, but it's a prerequisite to go into the diploma course. Mm-hmm. The first course that we offered in 2019 was very rough now I look back at it you know how rough it was the first one always (laughs) is right yeah the first one always (laughs) is and I was I didn't know anything that I I didn't know I didn't know what I didn't know which is why I was bold enough to start it but (laughs) but then you learned all the things you didn't know that you didn't know absolutely yeah so then that became you know so uh, then COVID hit so we were really then able to it was necessary to go forward now mm-hmm. a lot of people had to go online but we had the advantage that we were already mm-hmm. doing a blended format when covid hit mm-hmm. so the next course that we could offer in 2020 really was able to go you know leap years ahead because of all the learning yeah. and also because our community had become more comfortable with the Zoom and uh, Internet. And so the education of the students who came in to be prepared to work on this online format, some of that, uh, those barriers were already overcome, so we could go much further. Mm-hmm. And uh, so from 2020, uh, we went, we were able, and I knew more, my team knew more, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. we could go that intentional Intentionally blended course, that was we call not just a ad hoc blended course, it's an intentionally blended course where we are really looking at what is it that we are looking for, what do I expect of a prepared adult at the end of my training, right, mm-hmm. of any AMI training, what does that AMI diploma signify? 
So, right, what are the attitudes I would expect of this person? What are the, what is the knowledge I would expect? And what are the skills that I would expect them to have? Mm-hmm. And then how do I do that uh, well in a different format? You know, we actually integrate culture right from the beginning because all the spoken language, the stories that we tell mm-hmm. is about the plants and animals mm-hmm. and the people around us and the lives of people before came before us and the land that we live in and uh, in a lot of ways this is grounded in the Montessori core principles because we have just talked about interdependencies. Yeah? It, it sounds mm-hmm. like the adjustment you made to the course is a lot in bringing it in line with the Montessori method of whole to parts that it used to be a format where you got a part, a part, a part. What's the Montessori quotation to teach details is to breed confusion, right? right? And so like, how do we bring it out of the confusing piece where we have these disparate parts into this, here's the whole picture of what you're doing. And here's little pieces of each. And then also just that last part you were talking about the integrated curriculum that, that it is all connected um, to itself mm-hmm. and each other and that the adult is part of that, the adult growth that you're just getting to at the end, that I will transform and change. I will push through things I'm afraid of or unsure of or, um, and that you're kind of the, the way the course has changed has shifted to give the adult a, a personal experience of Montessori education through their Montessori training. Yes, and that's something we heard right from that first course about um, that um, what we are, this is a Montessori course. I mean, this is truly applying uh, Montessori principles. And so that was very affirming for Mm -hmm. somebody who was starting on Mm -hmm. blind in a format that I never worked in, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, I get that feeling of that we are acknowledging everybody's strengths and helping them move along in this journey and that it is a journey. Mm -hmm. And it really feeds into this approach to um, this uh, A-bar, to this idea of justice equity and diversity in our trainings, right? Because everybody has a place and they bring their own strengths and even working as community, they're supporting one another. You're speaking about the the ABAR piece and I'm just curious if the training that you took originally in India, some of those exercises have needed to shift and change in order to ensure that we're serving all children. And so some common primary ones are like moving away from silver polishing, which most many children aren't doing anymore or seeing in their home anymore as part of daily living. And I wonder how that's emerged and evolved for you as a trainer. So, you know, India is a multilingual, multicultural, multireligious society. So right when the excess of practical life we got there, but few, but we got, we were uh, uh, trained to think about what else, what do you see in the context mm. of the community that you do? And that's what I, it, uh, we, we do in our training too, mm-hmm. that it's not that I present a set of exercise of practical life. We present one complex, one simple care of the environment, one complex, uh, one simple, you know, care of self. So, and then really discuss the principles and how invite the students to explore with other options that we have at the training center. That's of course done in the context of, uh, uh, the community here, 
but also then uh, their assignment is to create their own you know some of mm-hmm. it they do in their own small groups and sometimes uh, they do some of it they do individually so uh, you know this uh, the communication is that excess of practical life is not a set it's not like your sensorial and uh, your math right? Right, right this has to be done in the context of community so you know uh, in the process we we love we all learn from each other because mm-hmm. we are come are learners are also very diverse in the the learners who come for these men trainings have been across the board such a diverse group so they we learn from each other and we learn about hot combs and we which I, we didn't know about till you know through storytelling and then how mm-hmm. to use it and but only a person who lives through it can bring that you know so i cannot uh, presume to bring something you know just like it would be um i couldn't bring something i did in india and apply it totally over here i could so show it as a cultural extension as a cultural study i could show how do i do rangoli but it's not an exercise of practical life which it is in india right mm-hmm. so it's really mm-hmm. those kinds of uh, uh, so having people from diverse communities come and work on this in the while on the course is a way to do that but coming back to that polishing you know or table washing or even cloth washing now n- none of that are things that we really do in the uh, in the house mostly now you know like maybe we really, wish for the table washing maybe yeah. and now and then we wish somebody would come do that yeah. one <laughs> but some of these things i've seen how much the children enjoy it because it serves a developmental need and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. some of these exercises are still there even though it is not something part of their daily life mm-hmm. but it is almost understanding it is important to learn what happens when the cloth goes into the Uh, machine right that it is first uh, wet and then it is uh, soaked and then it is scrubbed and rinsed and dried you know mm-hmm. to be able to um, uh, to experience that in a very sensorial way i think is very critical and it's so important for the building of that order and orientation and understanding mm-hmm. of the world around that uh, yes we still have a, a lot of those exercises but because it meets sensitive period needs and also it ha- serves the intellectual needs of a child to get oriented to the world around them so mm. Yeah, I, I hope that answers that question, you know, but we think about what about flower arranging, right? It is not the only way to beautify the environment. What mm-hmm. are the ways? So we look at it as beautifying the environment. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so one example is some people might arrange flowers. What else can do we do? You know, and there mm-hmm. are different people who do different communities that mm-hmm. arrange uh, beautify the environment everybody beautifies the environment mm-hmm. so uh, what are some of that what if, what can we offer our community of children so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, again everything comes back to this understanding of we are an interdependent community everybody brings riches and in a way that goes back and feeds into this abar work you know so mm-hmm. yeah. it continues to be integrated That's yeah it. and so much around identity formation is happening during that three to six period. And so mm-hmm. moving away from having a, um, a teacher with sort of a linear view. Um, and when you mentioned, you know, implicit bias or unconscious bias, they're not even conscious mm-hmm. that they're just bringing mm-hmm. their culture and only their culture to the mm-hmm. classroom. And it's not necessarily meeting the cultural 
experience of the children mm-hmm. in their classroom. So mm-hmm. I love the idea of sharing all the exercises. And I was immediately imagining, oh, you must have archives. So if you have a, you know, less diverse or less creative group, they can oh, look what the class before you did or the class before you so that you have this mm-hmm. really lovely um, suite of practical life opportunities for children to be growing. So it doesn't become so dependent on the mindset of the adult. Yes. Um, of one yes. of just one person and their lens, but their lens is impacted by, by the group. Yeah. And I think, you know, coming with the Montessori code principles and all the, with the way we have structured observation and practicum where we actually, uh, what we do through observation practicum is we mentor the students one on one. So we have, mm-hmm. it's a 14 month course now and all our students, you know, we, the, we are a group of people doing this, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm director of training, but that is this thing. I have a fellow trainer with me, Betha, and I have two trainers in training with me. Mm-hmm. So we are all, we are a group. So right there, we are bringing uh, diversity right there. It's not one person's right, voice right. that is being mm-hmm. heard. Mm-hmm. And then each of us have uh, mentor students throughout the year. So whether they are in their classroom, because it doesn't make sense for you to say that you will just seven weeks of observation practicum when you are working full-time in your classroom and you need to be able to put this into practice right away. Mm -hmm. So the way we have structured is if you're in your classroom and you're leading your classroom or if you're an assistant in the classroom, you just have to step out of your classroom for two weeks and go and see another environment run by a, you know, another trained guide so that you get you have a time to focus just on your learning and don't have to worry about running the classroom at the same time. Mm -hmm. But the fact is that right from August, when they leave us at the end of July, from the first week of August, they have to prepare their environment. They have to receive children. They have to plan to receive children. So we are with them zooming in. We help them set up the classroom Mm -hmm. to go go shelf by shelf because that's, again, something I learned how difficult it is. We may give it to them, but Mm -hmm. when you're getting all these materials... Mm-hmm. And when you're mm-hmm. inheriting materials and you don't, you haven't yet developed the full discrimination of what is essential, what is not essential, and the order of things, it yes. is helpful to have somebody guide you through that. So, you, you know, you're talking my coaching language, Uma. <laughs> 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 right? The essential yeah. nature of the Montessori coach to support just so many so know, complexities. Many yeah. Mm-hmm. So that coaching and mentoring is in, it, it's inbuilt into our integral to our course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we do is, um, what we do is we, so we start working with them to uh, preparation of the environment, including the psychological environment. What is your, what are the routines you're setting up? Mm-hmm. What are the protocols yeah. you're setting mm-hmm. up? How mm-hmm. is the rhythm of your day? Mm-hmm. Are you able to attend this thing? So right from there, mm-hmm. because right, that is what creates the conditions for freedom. Yeah. You know, yeah. much more than, uh, the, uh, the physical environment, as much as the physical environment, but even more is the psychological environment, right? Mm-hmm. So help them craft all of that and then go into planning for those first few weeks and how are you going to take all those plans and orient the children to those plans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then how do you transition from that to individual planning? And then how do you get into this habit of implementing, recording, observing, and mm-hmm. doing that? So that cycle of reflective practice, we are walking with them side by side. So it's not a question of seven weeks of observation practice. Right. We are with them from August 
all the way to the mm-hmm. end of the school year. Mm-hmm. We help them create monthly planners looking ahead, say, okay, what's coming up? So what's happening in your community? And who are the people in your community? What celebrations are appropriate in your community? <laughs> have you included that? What? Mm-hmm. How are you including that? Mm-hmm. Are there, how do you help uh, parents come in and, you know, families come in yeah. and share? How do you... Uh, make sure art represents their thing, what kind of activities are appropriate to share, all those kinds of things. So we are, again, that continues to help them transition to practice all these elements of um, ABAR and JEDI and uh, uh, the sensitive periods and, uh, you know, this cycle of reflective practice is really set up mm-hmm. um, so that by the end of the year they leave robust that transition to practice mm-hmm. is something that I observed is so they need somebody to walk with them during that time yeah. like uh, yeah. I was saying right to you know when we were talking I said that observation is the time is where uh, my input as a trainer becomes most critical this transition to practice is the place mm-hmm. where my input right. is of the trainer is most mm-hmm. critical. Mm-hmm. You can learn to do other things, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. through in so many ways, but not this. Mm-hmm. And learning why and mm-hmm. when and mm-hmm. how, mm-hmm. and that is the transition in the context mm-hmm. of each child and each community. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, our courses provide this inbuilt mentorship whether you know and if you're if you're not in a classroom at all then we help to structure it as I said you know mm-hmm. uh, with an observation practicum going back to back and going through this uh, mm-hmm. 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 I so, love that that's also just bringing the Montessori method into the training that through, it's only through observation that you know what made sense to them and what mm-hmm. it, what they can you know live out now, and what parts were missed or dropped or misunderstood through observation. Mm-hmm. So many misunderstandings are revealed um, that yes. you w- wouldn't maybe even know in a conversation, but to yes. have that opportunity to observe—that's fabulous. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to be really to be held accountable, because how many classrooms have we gone and said that? Oh yeah, observe all the time. Uh, where uh, Oh, but I don't have time to sit and observe because <laughs> when you send, when I send you to sit and observe, right, for three, for one week and one week and one week, and your work is to sit and observe, that becomes your touchstone for observation that I have to sit and observe. Mm-hmm. rather than mm-hmm. it's something that's happening all the time. Yeah. Yes, occasionally mm-hmm. you do need to sit down mm-hmm. and observe what is happening during this time and this time and this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, But that is not the only time you observe, but yeah. you also need to then make those records mm-hmm. of some key things and this development of the discrimination of what is worthy of writing Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know it becomes and how you patterns emerge by when you keep this records like this and that has helped students you know who are then uh, faced with having to ask questions about a child or what is where going into discussions about a child who needs extra help then these record keepings are there right there to say okay this is what interests her Mm-hmm. And this is mm-hmm. what I'm observing, and this is how she works, and mm-hmm. this is where she needs help. Mm-hmm. It's right there for them to do that. Share that. You're opening up a whole another podcast topic on observation. That is so. <laughs> that's like so deep. But I want to just stick because I see time is going on, and I want to yeah. just um, one quick question before we jump to what's happening on a global level is um, wondering if there are any specific elements that you've added from your experience with Montessori in the public sector or with the public Montessori teachers in mind? 
So we already talked about how I changed the score structure because yeah. of, uh, you know, what, ne- what is needed, mm-hmm. this transition to practice and this mentorship to practice, so that which also helps people get their compass calibrated on the child mm-hmm. when 20 things are coming about, this is what the child needs and this is from the point of view of curriculum mm-hmm. because a lot of the public school expectation comes from the point of view of curriculum. But for you to be able to stay focused on the child and say that I understand that and this is how it'll, it happens is very critical. So mm-hmm. this mentorship, I think, is a great, great big component of that. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, we always talk about state standards as it's a big uh, uh, albatross around our neck. <laughs> but if you look at the state standards, their expectations are so minimal, and this is what you would expect any child to have at any time. Mm-hmm. I may have issue with the way they are assessed, whether you're meeting the standards, but that's a whole different thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, we need to be able to make sure that the children are far surpassing this. So if you say that, mm-hmm. and the way, you know, I've also found it important to say that this is the Montessori, uh, you know, the uh, the continuum of Montessori, the progression of Montessori exercises. This is These are the different strands that go on side by side, parallelly with each other. Mm-hmm. But, and these are, the, each of these, meet those, these curriculum standards right. to really look at it from that point of view rather than saying, oh, I need to meet these curriculum standards, so these are the monosex, because that doesn't give a developmental um, mm-hmm. approach, mm-hmm. right? It comes, it goes back to starting from the curriculum and coming, using the Montessori materials as a didactic tool. Whereas if you mm-hmm. stay with the developmental strand and say that in meeting these developmental strands, I'm also meeting all of these mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. standards. Uh, so flipping that has been uh, very important and communicating that in training has been very important. Your training is promoting the um, student's understanding of sequence, which I think sometimes coming out of training, that feels a little like gobbledygook. Like I, I know each of these individual materials, but mm-hmm. how they feed onto each other and the sequence is so important in that three to six mm-hmm. and drop stitches can create such confusion. Um, mm-hmm. and that the emphasis is on knowing and understanding the sequence deeply is going to really help all practitioners regardless of the population they serve. Yes. And that's all our assignments are really focused on that rather then how do you do these things that you know mm-hmm. if there's only mm-hmm. one way to present the power pink tower and i will give it to them because i know they need a good reference but how they need to know why we presented like mm-hmm. that why we presented when we presented what follows up and then mm-hmm. how what is the sequence that went uh, of that and where mm-hmm. does it follow in that sequence mm-hmm. so that is the work that they do so a lot of their work is really understanding uh, the sequence and mm-hmm. the purpose behind it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and one more thing about the public schools i feel very strongly that if we want to reach more children then it is only we need to support Montessori in the public sector, and mm-hmm. so a lot of this is, is, and we need to learn to do it well. Yes, there are challenges. So, what are the challenges? And we are there to work with you to help you mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. whatever extent we can. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Thank you for that really expansive view of your work. I wonder if at the end here you could sort of pull back and share um, some of the work that's happening on a global level. One thing is, I think I the one that what are, the one part that I want to highlight 
uh, that I'm very much involved with is this idea of bringing Montessori to more children at the grassroots level. Mm -hmm. And so with that end in mind, we uh, helped design this course called um, ESF, Community Rooted Education. And it's um, it's really the focus is the preparation of the adult attitudes mm. towards work, not so much and not so much on the materials. And mm -hmm. we use the materials that are in the community to uh, help them offer those uh, isolated sensorial explorations to help them offer the basis of um, literacy and numeracy, but using materials from the community and not the requirement of having these very expensive materials coming in from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And this came from, this, this work really was inspired by the conditions in India. We have 160 million children below five years of age, right? Mm. So when you think about that, but India has a huge, beautiful policy framework of the early childhood where, you know, they're from conception through age five, um, there is uh, support for health, nutrition, and education of the mother and the child. I led this in India with 43 villages in 2018-19 and then we are now currently working with a group of people in South Africa and helping them do this and we are seeing phenomenal changes mm -hmm. in the communities, mm -hmm. in the empowerment of the women, you know, mm -hmm. of families, of children, you know, so mm -hmm. it is really that uh, the work that I would love to bring here because so much of our early childhood is in the non-formal sec sector. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, of course, also to build up the blended program at um, other levels. So I am working with them at the global level to bring the same framework of approach for blended uh, AMI. Uh, mm. diploma courses, mm -hmm. what would be the approach, how do we define, uh, uh, what, is the, what are the guidelines for something like that? You know? mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Oh, so. wonderful. I recently was um, able to listen to the talk you gave on silence, and it has been walking around with me since listening to it. And I wonder if you would lead our listeners in just a little thought on silence and maybe we could together share a moment of silence before we close. Yeah, I think that would be good. This, you know, uh, it was interesting talking, talking to Peter on that podcast and um, really how silence has been used as an instrument of control and power of the yes. adult over the child. Yes. And education, its role always has been to silence the child so that the voice of the educator could be heard. And uh, to think about how in our Montessori practice, mm -hmm. it is the reverse. We have to silence ourselves as the adult, as the educator, so that the child can find their voice and their voice can be heard. Mm -hmm. So that is that is at the crux of our preparation of the adult, that mm -hmm. how do we learn to silence ourselves, how do our, our energy, you know, mm -hmm. this idea of what, yes, we have to be active. Mm -hmm. But what is that act of silence, you know, and how do we uh, silence our prejudices, mm -hmm. our biases, mm -hmm. and be really able to listen to the child? So mm -hmm. it goes beyond just 
absence of noise, but mm-hmm. it is absence of noise at the deep spiritual level. Yeah, yeah. and um, the mental chatter. When you said in the talk about making silence with adults and noticing the adults just continuing to take notes, that, that they, they weren't able to bring a stillness, a certain silence to the ping, ping, ping going on in their heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think is what's wanting me to say, let's reach these listeners right this minute and see if we can call them in, even for a moment of letting go of the noise. I'd love that. Maybe you can, do you have a bell or something? Or how do you want to end it? Mm-hmm. That's a great idea, yeah. I do have a bell. I have a bell right here. Okay. Yes. All right. So we're going to just find that place of stillness and inner silence, letting it all go together. So closing our silence and carrying it with us into our days forward. Thank you, Uma. You're welcome, Elizabeth. I was thinking as we were in silence that, you know, about that phrase, love is learning to let go. And Mm. our work is love in action. Mm. And we need to let go of all our inner turmoil and just Mm. embrace the child. Thank you, Elizabeth. This has been such a pleasure. Mm, Thank you so much for joining us, Oma. Our show is a project of Public Montessori in Action, elevating voices in the community to forward the mission. Our host is Elizabeth Slade. Our producer is Isaac Price Slade. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and sharing it with others. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts.